0: When people in the Midlands want to talk, they talk to Will Faulkner.
1: Hello, good morning. How's your Friday going so far? Today, it is the second anniversary of the death of Ashling Murphy. And you'll hear from people who knew her who miss her, who want to pay tribute to her, but also what is planned today as the community comes together to express solidarity with her family and with her friends. Up to 47 tenants could be homeless as a result of a landlord decision in Kilbegan. Details on that after 10. And the Save Our Shannon Group wants your support for an event they're planning Next week, you'll we'll hear what that's about, and especially if you're somebody who is involved in maybe boating on the Shannon, fishing on the Shannon, even if you live nearby. If you're a landowner affected, stay listening. We'll have full details for you. Plus, what to expect weather-wise. It's going to be a very cold week ahead. Whatever about the one behind. When you call 0818 103 is my number. You can text or WhatsApp 083 30 10 103 powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota in Tullamore. So what have we got on the front pages today? Irish Times tells us unions want better public pay offer when talks restart. So yesterday they were very tight-lipped about how much the government side was putting on the table and how much the union side wanted in return Anyway, those numbers have leaked out, so the government was offering an 8.5% pay increase over 2.5 years. Not bad. Unions, however, feel 12.5% is what their members should be receiving, so that's a little over 3% and 4% in effect, nearly, per year. Are you getting that if you work in the private sector? That's the question I suppose government have to ask if they're going to balance this deal and what is the price of industrial unrest? Moving then to the Irish Independent. Where's it gone, It's disappeared. Where did I put it? This always happens. So no Ukrainians to be sent home before war ends. A statement from Thysia Cleo And he says he cannot envision sending anybody back to Ukraine until it is safe. And anybody can see at the moment that it is not safe. But whether families are arriving from Ukraine or whether they are arriving elsewhere, there are many people in Ross Cray and surrounding areas who feel the Racket Hall is not the place for them. So Racket Hall is the town's only operating hotel. It's actually outside the town slightly. And its 40 rooms will be repurposed to accommodate asylum seekers from today. This has all happened very quickly and protesters mounted a demonstration yesterday. They say they will blockade any vehicles trying to enter the hotel car park and 200 people turned out at a public meeting and one of them for instance was the local solicitor. Another the local community group Ross Gray stands up says the hotel will now be closed to the people of the town and the surrounding area. We have no active hotel for weddings, parties, dinner dances. And the Department of Integration says they can't state with certainty how long the people who arrive there will remain there. The contract is for one year, but it could be renewed. So what will they receive When they arrive, because often that has been a concern from communities. Will there be a a way of integrating these people? So apparently uh, they will have a self-catering service. They will be given a weekly voucher or debit card for the local shop. There will be a transport service established, which will be supplemented. So they won't pay the full cost of that transport. So that'll be a means of getting into and from Roscray. More details on that in the Irish Times this morning. Let's hear some of the tributes to Ashling Murphy. Leading them, James Hogan, her principal at Durrow National School in County Offaly, where she served as a teacher. And he says the entire nation was rattled by the news of her passing, but her family and her friends and her partner Ryan should be proud of the legacy that she has left behind. And I think that legacy and indeed the high regard in which the family and her friends and Ryan are held, more than 300 people turned out for her anniversary mass in Tullamore, or excuse me, in Mount Bolas last night. So Father Mead, the local priest at St. Bridget's Church said, this is a tragedy which will never end for Ashling's family. It will be a moment which will go on forever and he said what pe- uh, keeps people going through harsh journeys like this is the support of family and friends and the community and he spoke of the great challenges of grief and pain which people face at times in their life but he added we give thanks for the courage we have all received from Ashling, even though she is no longer with us this evening we pray for her whose life ended in tragedy Now, tragedy overseas. Very unusual diplomatic situation where the United States and Britain attacked targets in Yemen on the suggestion that it's not Yemen itself they're attacking, but a rebel group known as the Houthis. And this rebel group believes that Israel is absolutely wrong in what it is doing in Gaza and they intend to target any ships passing through the Red Sea and the Suez Canal if they are in en route to or coming from Israel. And one in eight of all world trade containers passes through the Suez Canal. So it's a busy, busy route. But America... And Britain yesterday sent in warplanes and indeed they were launched from uh, ships in the Red Sea and submarines launched missiles as well. And again, Britain and the United States maintain they are doing this because they will not tolerate this militant group's ceaseless attacks on the Red Sea. For the record, Russia uh, has called for an emergency meeting of the United Nations to discuss this. This group in Yemen is backed by Iran. It's all a terribly interconnected picture and never as simple as it seems perhaps on the outside. Back here at home, another business closure. So Café U in Clara, apparently no longer viable as a result of the increase in the VAT rate and also hikes in the price of food and labour. The minimum wage increase kicked in on the 1st of January. So Ken and Alton, who are the owners, took to Facebook yesterday to thank you as their customers, but also their staff, and also for the many memories they've had in the year and a half the cafe has been operating in the town. They still have an Athlone branch, so if you have a voucher for Cafe U... In Clara, you can use it in Athlo. But that's only a few days after Corner House Bistro, and I believe uh, we've details imminently of another business closure in Portlaoise to be announced. Moving away from that, if you do have a few quid and you're thinking of an electric car, worth picking up a copy of the Irish Times today. The battery life is always a central question. The range you will get and how long the battery will last Will you still, in five years or ten years, get the same performance from it? And lithium-ion, which is one of the main components of the most common batteries, and indeed you'll find the uh, lithium-ion in your phone, it tends to degrade over time. And there are many companies, Toyota, Nissan, but in this case Volkswagen, trying to crack what's called the solid-state battery, which can recharge much more quickly and will be less affected by constant charging and discharging. And so Volkswagen claims it has now developed a battery that will drive 500,000 kilometers and still retain 95 percent of its original capacity. They have a few things to do yet to put it into production but this could be the big Eureka moment for solid-state batteries and that'll be a game-changer For electric cars if they make it happen at scale it could be a bit like fusion energy fusion energy is always 20 years away from being viable it was that in the 80s it's that now it's always 20 years away this could be similar Chelsea's uh, apparently on the hunt for Evan Ferguson promising young Irish player currently signed to Brighton and apparently signed to Brighton until 2029 But he might be tempted away and Chelsea might be willing to pay a £100 million for him, according to the Irish Independent. The mind boggles at the value now being attached to these players. Alan Shearer described Evan Ferguson as a very special talent who could be a superstar. He scored six goals in 24 appearances for Brighton problem for Brighton is the talent pool is a little bit shallow and they've already let a significant player go, so they may not be inclined, no matter how i watering the price tag. Final one for you. What would you do in this situation? Letter to the Irish Independent says, I am dating somebody who is 12 years younger than me and it's going really well. To be honest, I thought it would be more of a fling when we met on a dating app last year, but it turns out we have very similar values And he has no issue with the age gap. In fact, he prefers dating older women. The snag is he thinks I'm nine years older than him because I lied about my age on the app. Now, I know I need to tell him that, in fact, I am 12 years older than him, but my worry is the age gap has already been part of our conversations and he has talked to his friends and family about it as well and it feels like there's a lot at stake which is why I keep kicking it down the road. I'm not a liar and I don't want him to think I am but I have a feeling this will make everything unravel. What should I do? Answers on a text to 083 powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota in Tullamore. By the way, if you're on the road early in the mornings next week, set the alarm clock a bit earlier because it is likely to be frigidly cold. Minus 3 to minus 5 degrees, especially by Thursday. So, risk then of slippy surfaces, but also some fog early in the morning. But it's not going to be that cold quite yet today. 4 to 7 degrees... Tomorrow, pretty similar. A mixture of sunny spells and drizzle. Sunday's when it starts to get a bit more unpleasant. Although the afternoon could still get up to uh, four to six degrees. So plan accordingly.
0: Here with the news and views that you can use. Midlands Today with Will Faulkner. Midlands 103.
1: Let's hear a little bit more of Ashling Murphy's. Um, tributes, which have been pouring in, understandably, on this, the second anniversary of her death. James Hogan, for instance, her principal in Durrow National School, has described her as a shining light, and he sends a statement to us saying, on Wednesday the 12th of January, 2022, Ashling Murphy, a kind, caring, loving, funny, energetic, and beautiful young lady, was wrongly taken from this world, as she decided to go for a run along the Grand Canal in Tullamore. Shock, numbness and disbelief rattled the nation and community on hearing the awful news of the tragic loss of this beautiful, young, inspirational and wonderful young lady. Ashling was an amazing daughter to Ray and Kathleen, a wonderful sister to Amy and Cahill, a loving partner to Ryan and a kind and a caring young woman to her extended family and wide circle of friends, a talented musician, sports person and inspirational teacher to so many young people. And it is true to say, as we approach her second anniversary, that Ashling has left a strong legacy behind her, even though she only had 23 short years with us. Ashling had a voice like an angel which enhanced many performances and competitions with her school choirs the skills she gained from her choir days were carried on through her teaching placements and to her own school in Durrow, where she happily trained and conducted the school choir for various occasions ashling's maturity and personality shone through in everything she did she gave 100% to anything she put her hands to ashling was a fashion enthusiast and yet again she was recognised as an amazing young model by her young followers. The staff and pupils of Durrow National School have lost a close family member but she will always be a part of the staff and her name will never be forgotten. To date, the school is overwhelmed with fantastic tributes, letters of support, donations and amazing gestures that are all sent to the school. All of this has not gone unnoticed and the school is extremely grateful for the support. Ashling, meaning dream of describes what her mission in life was. She certainly followed her dreams and became a magnificent teacher, talented sportsperson, exceptional musician and an amazing person. As time and days move on, we will all face challenging times and I have no doubt Ashling will be there to give us that little nudge when needed. Our thoughts and our prayers will always be with her family, friends and partner Ryan. They should be ever so proud of what Ashling achieved and of the strong legacy she leaves behind. Although she is no longer with us, we will always remember Miss Ashling Murphy for who she was, her great legacy, and we will continue to keep her name alive. Our shining light forever, loved and never forgotten. Fly high in the sky, our shining light. Fly high in the sky, Miss Ashling Murphy. James Hogan, the principal of Durrow National School in County Offaly. Declan Harvey walks that canal path very, very often. Declan, good morning.
2: Good morning, William. good morning to all your listeners.
1: Hard to believe it's two years in some ways, and, and yet the world has... Changed for so many uh, as a result of her death, uh, walking along that canal, is it the same place? Does it feel different?
2: No, it feels a lot different uh, well, The past' see is memorial uh, on a regular basis is, is heartbreaking. I get emotional now as I think about it and speak about. It. I, I was chair of all the county council, which was a huge honor for me, and then this tragedy happened it 's something I will never forget. Uh, losing that scene, the way she did, the way she was taken from us, it's unreal, you know, and my heart goes out to the family, her father, mother, sister, brother, and her partner. It's just, it's it's, it's very hard to comprehend that such a beautiful young girl could be taken in such a cruel and manless way, you know. I will have to say, and I would like to say, thanks to the justice system, the guards, and everybody that has brought this case to fruition, I think the town, the parents needed it more than anybody, but the town, the county, and the country needed this to be resolved. And I think the result is everybody's in agreement. It was the right result. It'll never replace Aisling, but at the same time, uh, we can try and live live with her loss as a community. But her parents had to live with her loss as a daughter and as a child. So it's, it's heartbreaking. Every time I go by the monument down the canal line, I see people stopping, blessing themselves, saying a prayer, young and old, and you know it's 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 nice to see it down there, but it's heartbreaking to pass it.
1: One thing I've noticed is the number of people walking on the canal seems as strong as ever, almost in defiance that people will not be scared or intimidated from doing. What they have always done.
2: You're dead right. You know the canal, the greenway is is very safe, and we intend as councillors and uh, local representatives, we intend to try and make it safer by adding things to it as much as we can. You know, but it's it's a quiet place, the place of thought and memory. You go down for a walk, you know, you kind of forget about things. You just relax, grand scenery, the canal on your side. You know, and it's it's peaceful, and it is safe. I want to stress that it is safe.
1: Declan, I understand today there is going to be a walk. Uh, what are the arrangements for that? Do you know?
2: Well, I believe it's at quarter past three. Uh, they're walking down to the, uh, the monument, Ashes Monument, and they're having a, probably a, a few songs and uh, a few thoughts. People might reflect on different things in Ashes' life. No, but it's... Well, I, I get emotional when I think about Ashim because I've met her on a couple of occasions through her music and through the Christmas markets and Christmas uh, events we had in O'Connor Square mm. as she was there with school.
1: And what comes to mind when you think well. of her, Declan? What, what memories
2: could I, you share? What, uh, the memory I have, she, she has a great smile. She had a lovely, lovely smile. And the kids that were in O'Connor Square... Yeah, doing the Christmas cards with her, you know. She had them, you know, eating over her hand. She just had a great way with the kids. And her smile stands out to me. She's just an attractive young woman with a very, a very very nice smile and a friendly way of going on. And that's what I remember. And it's just one of the thoughts I have that she had a lovely smile.
1: I never had the pleasure of meeting her, but I remember one night watching a video that she had recorded, just a piece to camera with the fiddle. And she just exuded this energy and and like that, the smile and the the joy she took in the music. She exuded that. And apart from being an exceptional musician, um, you would enjoy just being there, um, watching her perform and how much pleasure she took from that. So... Uh, and that's at a that's, at a remove. I can only imagine the loss of of her to her family, to her friends, for people yeah. who actually knew her well.
2: Yeah, well I just want to offer my sincere support to the family now and always. And if anything I can do personally that Ray or the mother or any of them want to talk to me about or need me, I'm always there willing to help. Uh not not as a counselor, but just as Becky Harvey. I'm willing to help. If people need me, I'll
1: be there. Here, here, Declan, thank you for taking our call today.
2: Thanks very much. Uh, uh, thank you. Cheers. Bye, bye, bye.
1: Now, a large turnout for the anniversary mass in Mount Bolas last night. And again, likely to be a significant crowd for the walk from Digby Bridge. And it's happening this afternoon around about 3 o'clock. Uh, 3.15, I believe, to be precise. So, hopefully, a good turnout and lots of people being there in solidarity with her family, who will be obviously very delicate on a day like this.
0: Here with the news and views that you can use. Midlands Today.
3: Midlands 103.
1: So if you're planning any early morning journeys next week, set that alarm clock a little bit earlier because it is going to be a cold one. Colder than you had this week, by the way. Alan O'Reilly is here from Carlo Weather. Morning, Alan. Morning, Will. How are we doing? I'm, I'm already feeling the knees rattling together. I know it's winter, but still, uh, what's in store next week? Yes, so we've
4: had a bit of an easterly this week, which brought us those cold temperatures. Um, but now we're going to have a northerly. So we have a very much colder air moving down Sunday night into Monday from the north. A bit of an arctic plunge. Um, which will bring much colder air over Ireland. So really, even Sunday night, there's probably going to be a good frost in many parts of the country. And then it's going to stay cold really right through next week up until at least Friday. Temperatures by day probably struggling in the Midlands to get above 2 degrees, um, possibly even a little bit lower some days. And then hard frost at nighttime, temperatures down to maybe minus 5, minus 6 degrees but it's really going to be just, there's going to be very little of an increase. So you're going to stay kind of feeling around freezing or below freezing right through Monday to Friday. There's good news in that there's probably going to be a good bit of
1: clear and dry weather. Okay, um,
5: so That's so what I was about
1: to ask, because the picture you painted there, if it combined with something like the beast from the east a few years, ago, remember Storm Emma uh, coming up and all that rain turned to snow, we'd be in a bit of trouble.
4: We would, and there is still a small outside up chance that that could happen. Um, there is a risk of some wintry showers moving down from the north on Monday, Tuesday. Generally, they die out a lot as they kind of come down the country, but there could be a few wintry showers and a few bits of dust in here and there. There is a small chance of a low-pressure system moving up later in the week. Now, most of the weather models actually keep that into France, on the latest updates. But some of the previous weather model updates had shown it clipping into the south and especially catching England with some very large snowfall amounts. But at the moment, the risk of that for Ireland is looking, is looking low. But when we get these kind of cold and orderly, it doesn't take a whole lot for a bit of precipitation to pop up with a little kind of feature on the weather models to show a few wintry falls. So you wouldn't rule out seeing a small bit of snow but I wouldn't be planning the snow days and making snowmen just yet.
1: All right. But at least from a road traffic point of view, if it's relatively dry, the freezing conditions shouldn't create too many hazards.
4: Yeah, exactly. If it can stay dry, then, you know, obviously the ice and and the conditions won't be as bad. But, you know, as I said, there could be a small little dust and it doesn't take a whole lot when you have that kind of cold to create a tricky driving setup. So certainly... As you say, set the alarm clock a little bit earlier for next week, defrost the car and take your time and, and we'll all hopefully come through by by the end of next weekend it looks like, you know, temperatures could be
1: climbing back up to a little bit more and close to normal.
4: But that's wait and see because yes.
1: there's there's obviously changes that can happen in the meantime. We'll cross those fingers and those toes. I presume you won't be gallivanting on the river barrow in weather like that.
4: No, but we might be taking a wintry hike
1: up a little mountain, we'll see. <laughs> well, at least that'll keep you warm. Alan, thank you very much. Cheers, Will. If you're curious, follow Alan O'Reilly, Carlo Weather on the various socials and keep up to date. Now on 083 30 10 103. The caller says, all of the hotels who are refusing business at the moment and are accepting asylum seekers therefore should be boycotted when they eventually go home and they want regular business again. If they're turning away people who have supported them for years, for weddings, for dances, for other activities, they shouldn't expect to see them back when this situation is over. That's from John in Roscommon, who also wonders if the case for people coming to Ireland from Ukraine is as strong as it used to be because certainly in the west of the country there are many hotels available to book. Go on to Travago, he says, and you will see them. So even if they are close to the Russian border, they have the option to move within their own country. Why come here? Is his message. Do you agree with him? Do you disagree with him? 083 30 10 on text and on WhatsApp. Will, was it on your show earlier this week you discussed women in sports? Yes, indeed, there was a survey, as I recall, and it suggested fewer people would be willing to go and watch women's sport as a spectator than the men's equivalent. And so this texter notes, two adverts in the recent break, one for hurling, one for camogie, and the difference in energy the ads give off. Quite striking. Must have a listen to that. And on the caller, the letter rather, to the newspaper, the woman who lied about her age to the younger man. Messages come clean, you will be found out anyway. And if he really is for you, the extra three years won't make much difference to him. Thanks very much for the message. Again, do get involved. Lots still to cover, including the families who face eviction in Kilbegan.
0: Love the Midlands. Love the Midlands 103.
1: Good morning. Now, still on the agenda today. If you watch somebody eating vegetables and they dislike it, that can make you dislike it too. The amazing neuroscience discovery of the week. And business closures. Unfortunately, we've had Cafe U in Clara, we've had Corner House Bistro in Athlone. And also another business in Port leash, we believe, all closing their doors or announcing same in the last three days. What are the forces pushing them in that direction? The Friday panel will take you through all you may have missed over the last seven days, including this debate which is heating up between men's sports and women's sports, with one caller, a gentleman saying, "I have no problem watching women's sports. In fact, I quite enjoy it. What I find strange is it's other women who won't watch the games. Is he right? When you text 083 30 10 103 on text and on WhatsApp. A statement has been issued by both Westmeath and Offaly County Councils concerning uh, an apartment complex or at least some units within the apartment complex in Kilbegan. And it's to say they have been made aware of notices to terminate where in effect the tenants will be evicted after a certain date and many of these tenants are in receipt of housing assistance payment through the local authorities so they have been placed there uh, with the support of either Westmeath or Offaly County Council. Carl Nolan is an independent TD in Leash Offaly and she says she has been contacted by A Concerned Family. Deputy Nolan, good morning.
6: Good morning, Will, and good morning to your listeners.
1: What did the family share about their situation?
6: Well, actually, there was a number of families in contact with me, Will, and they're in a sense of shock, as you can imagine, and a sense of panic. Uh, They've young children. Uh, One of the families has a three-year-old child. The other family has uh, three other children. They're very, very concerned and, you know, there is so much uncertainty in terms of housing we're in a deep crisis. They got these letters stating that they have to leave the apartments on or before Friday the 12th of July. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really at this stage, um, they're hoping hoping that a solution and indeed that maybe through collaboration from the county councils in Westmead and Offaly and political support that something can be put in place, a plan can be put in place before the 12th of July for them. So there is there is a huge sense of, of panic, despair. And, you know, I do want to point out also that uh, not alone are the Offaly and Westmead tenants affected, but it's my understanding that a number of tenants from the Peter Max Veri Trust are also affected and caught up in this as well. Yeah,
1: we've contacted the trust this morning. I understand they have possibly up to nine different units within that complex and we've yet to receive confirmation as to whether they too are affected. So assuming that to be the case for now, what numbers are we looking at?
6: Well, anecdotally I've heard this figure of up to 47 tenants and over 30 households affected. Um, Now I have sent two emails to Offaly County Council asking for the specific number of Offaly tenants that are affected um, just to get the exact numbers and I'm sure Westmead will supply those as well but I await that confirmation um, so I, I can't uh, confirm definitively with you but I do know it's believed to be over 30 households affected which is a huge number but regardless of whether it's 10 or 30 you're dealing with uh, quite a big number of people who have young children and families and one family is one family too many
1: and Well, the local authorities in their statements conclude by saying they're not in a position to comment further. So I'm not sure if they'll be forthcoming on those numbers. But does the letter the tenants received explain why the decision is being taken?
6: Well, the decision um, appears to be the landlord's intention to sell. And I quote from the letter, it says reason for termination the reason for the termination of the tenancy is because the landlord intends within nine months after the termination date to enter into an enforceable agreement for the transfer to another for full consideration of the whole of his or her interest in the dwelling or the property containing the dwelling and in brackets agreement to sell. And that's what was quoted directly to the tenants in the letter which I have here on in front of you. Okay, this so in effect
1: the apartments are being sold. Yes. We've received a statement, by the way, from the Father Peter McVeary Trust in the last two minutes. It says they have a number of homes leased in the Riverside apartment complex in Kilbegan. These are long-term leases which will not be affected by any change in ownership. Now, that only applies, of course, to some, and there are others um, outside of the Peter Mcvery Trust who are not in that same position. Correct. Mm. yeah. Um, there is a an issue of antisocial behavior in that apartment complex and if you even google the the courts you will see Riverview being mentioned far too often is that a factor in this do you think
6: I I I wasn't aware of that will to be very very honest with you I had dealt with a few families from Offaly previously um who I I had assisted in terms of their housing needs. So I wouldn't be aware of that. And because I'm not based in Westmead, I genuinely um, wouldn't have been aware of it. I cover awfully leash, as you know. Um, But I I don't believe it is. Um, I don't believe that's the full fact, no. I, I think there's more to this.
1: Well, if it is simply a straightforward sale situation, and I don't mean to sound uncharitable, but the landlord will be within their rights to do this. So... Yes. What needs to happen as far as local authority support? The councils are saying they will support the tenants to find alternative accommodation, but support can mean anything from, yeah, we'll help you search daft.ie to we'll put a roof over your head. It's a, it's a spectrum. So what would you expect in terms of support?
6: Well well certainly, yeah. No, you have a point. I mean the landlord has his or her right to sell. That's that's true, that's there in law. And yes, um I have called on both local authorities to work together. I believe that a resolution can be reached here um, you know, by collaboration from both uh, local authorities and indeed um from assistance from the, the local political representatives as well. I believe if everybody works together, at least we have until July. To get this matter sorted and to get uh, resolutions put in place, and indeed alternative accommodation sourced for people, so I, I would be I, I would be positive that something can be done because there there is a decent enough time frame there, and um, and with with this support from everybody, you know, I'm sure a plan could be drawn up quickly, and that accommodation or every effort indeed could be made to source the housing assistance um, payment properties that you know now unfortunately there's so few of them and that's an issue as well but I know that the local authorities to give them their due have housing assistance officers in place and they keep a list of the properties where um, where HAP um, can be accepted and is accepted by landlords so they have that list and that's something very very good and very positive and very helpful and I believe, you know, um, by everybody working together and hopefully more properties will will come up um, that are willing to, you know, give, give half-tenants uh, a long-term lease. And that, that would be, the, the, I suppose, the positive um, outcome of all of this. And indeed, that would give security to the tenants in the long term.
1: I suppose the challenge in this case is the sheer number of tenants who have received the notice to terminate. Looking at Kilbegan, there are two properties I'm not sure if they're within the HAP limits, mind you. One is nineteen hundred euro per month, another eleven hundred and fifty. They are in Kilbegan, but uh, well, they're two properties for perhaps up to forty tenants, as you said. And looking further, then mm-hmm. the next nearest property would be Moat, um, and yeah. then on to Tullamore, and there will be a dispersal, no doubt, of these people.
6: Absolutely, and that may be the only solution. Um, I was just going to add that that, that may be the only solution because the, the properties are so few that you have them widely dispersed around both counties, and it may also be a case of another county coming in um, to work and help uh, to in this situation. It may also be, you know, a matter of, of of that as well. So I think, you know, by putting solutions together now and collaborating, there is a time you know time frame there. Um, to do something for these families and for these children who are now vulnerable and at risk.
1: Carl Nolan, thank you for taking our call today. She is an independent TD in Lee shauffele 083 30 10 on text and on WhatsApp for your feedback. Ooh, lots of comments on this. So, Will, the flats in Kilbegan are very nice but not necessarily the people in them. Well, I wonder who will move in in July once they are sold. Another caller says, it is a dive. Next listener says, Carl must have her head in the clouds if she didn't hear about the weekly ongoing disorder on the hill. The Gorthy are in there on a regular basis. Another caller, Will that lady needs to talk to people in Kilbegan, find out more about Riverview. There's a lot of activity in the courts relating to those apartments and the people in this town know it all too well. Final one on this for the moment. Will, I don't wish to get too involved and certainly want to stay anonymous but you will hear from the people of Kilbegan on this. I don't agree with families losing their homes but at the same time the trouble, the drugs, the antisocial behaviour is disgraceful in Riverview. People feel unsafe. There have been meetings in the town on this. And there have been riots even in Riverview from time to time.
0: The name you trust with the news you need. Midlands Today. This week
1: has been torrid on the business front here in the Midlands. Café U in Clara announcing it is to close yesterday, albeit the Athlone branch still continuing and you can use your vouchers there. And that follows on from the Corner House Bistro, which had been in business in Athlone for well over a decade. And now today, another announcement from Portlaoise. Ronan Berry is here from Midlands 103 taking care of business. Morning. Morning, Will. So, who has fallen victim to this latest wave of
7: closures? Yeah, another business that opened up a couple of years back, and I think they actually might have availed of the vacant property scheme that was in place at the time. And Lease Chamber and Carolyn Hoffman were very, um, at the front of promoting that, and it allowed business to take out a you know a lease on of what was once maybe a derelict or a vacant property. So S and S Soap Sisters, um, run by two sisters, they're making you know really beautiful handcrafted soaps and other products too, and um, seem to be doing very well. But I think unfortunately they just seem to have. Again, just another person, that another business that has fallen off because of ultimately rising costs.
1: Interesting. So not just hospitality businesses feeling
7: the pinch at the moment. No, not not really. And I suppose, look, at everybody will appreciate there's always a, a level of natural attrition when it comes to business. It's a tough world to be in. Some businesses survive, some don't. But yeah, we're back looking at those. Businesses that are part of our community, they're on our high streets and I suppose there's so many other things that come in. You look at location, footfall and believe it or not, even things like working from home, that has probably had a bigger impact on businesses than I'd say a lot of us actually realise. I know in Dublin in particular, like it has had a massive impact where if you had a restaurant or a cafe, And five days a week, you were throwing out lunches and Mm. that's put down to two days a week. I mean, that's a serious hit to take as well. So maybe that could be a factor. But ultimately, if we look at some of the statements that have come out from these businesses, they're all hinging around the same things. You know, if I go to the Corner House Bistro, they cited rising costs of labour, food and energy, and an increased VAT rate has made the business no longer viable. And there are similar messages coming from most of these businesses. And I think with businesses, when the energy crisis, you know, last year, the cost went up, I think businesses will do what they can to sort of suck that up because they have a feeling that it will come down again and it's kind of, it's, it's, you know, it, it affects every business that's out there. Yeah, and there's but, a feeling if they persevere, they'll get over the hump. Yeah, and I think the consumer understands that to a point as well because maybe they're experiencing it now. So maybe we're in a situation now where homeowners are seeing their energy bills coming down, they're getting their energy credits, so they're, they're probably wondering, well, why is my food or mm. whatever product still the same price? But there are challenges out there for businesses. I mean, we mentioned hospitality and whilst it's far from the only sector affected, but during COVID, the government did huge work in terms of supporting businesses and employees and business owners. And one thing that was brought in was it allowed them to warehouse some tax debt. They extended a deadline for calling that in, but that deadline has come. I think it's the 1st of May this year when the government, our revenue will start looking for that mm-hmm. money back. And that's widely forecasted to really... Bring about an awful lot more closures, not just in hospitality, but right across the sectors. You know, um, with hospitality, in some regards, you know, some of them are probably surviving because of you know housing refugees. Which I mean, we, we I think we're we're right to do that as well, and it's 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 offering opportunities for business maybe to stay viable. They may not be there without that, but I think from from May this year, there's huge challenges coming down the line. That could be a watershed. Well, let's test some of what you've said with. John
1: McCann, because through MCM Accounting in Tullamore, he works with a lot of businesses. So he sees the numbers. John, good morning.
8: Good morning, Will. Good morning, Ronan. How are you?
1: Paint a picture of of those pressures and which seem to be most acute now and what could be the picture come May.
2: Well, look,
8: um, I, I know accountants are supposed to be boring and all that sort of thing, but I. I, I like My role really in many ways, uh, and January is very much a time that you sit down and you talk to, to various clients and you try and talk them up and you look at the plans for the future, et cetera, et cetera, and where they're going and what they're going to do. And I was just saying to Ronan earlier, I was, I'm quite shocked that I've never come across such unbelievable negativity um, from various business people who would generally be positive and would be looking forward to either expansion or to consolidation or to make their businesses better. Um, and, and there's a number of reasons kind of they're citing. They're saying is that, you know, first of all, the minimum wage was an absolute kick in the rocks, for want of a better word, because it was a 12.5% increase. Now, one might say, well, that's only, a, whatever it is, 140 on, on, on um Added to, to 1130. But the problem is that that now has gone and really upset the differentials. And if you factor that in, it's not just the 140, there's a PSI to be applied to that. So, you know, it, it's, it's a more significant increase. Then when you say upset the then,
1: differentials, you mean that somebody who previously was, let's say, in a more senior role, was on a premium above the minimum wage, that premium has narrowed and they too want an increase.
8: I do and, 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 and that's not unreasonable, because you know you work, you, you work to establish your status within a business um, and it's kind of your, your pay is one way and how, how, how you're valued um, and that, and so that all has to go, go, go up the line. The other thing that was was brought in, and nobody spoke about it back in, in, in November was the domestic violence uh, um, rule where if if a husband or wife or partner is incurring domestic violence, the employer, again, is expected to pay five days' pay. And there's no question asked. You just do it. The employers have no rights in this. Employers' PSI is going to be increased, albeit by a small amount, in October 24. The fat increase was 4.5%. And I don't think people realise how significant that was for the hospitality industry. And the view that revenue have taken, and certainly speaking to revenue and speaking to people, um, they view that this re- restoration back to 13.5%. Like, this was just a cost to the exchequer. I have always taken the view this is never a cost to the exchequer. This is money you are taking away from business for yourself to give to somebody else. And 9%, I believe, was probably
7: a much uh, much more appropriate rate. Actually, cost. John, on that point, John, the cost to the exchequer, I, mean, I remember talking about this with Minister Peter Burke. I and mean, last year, before before it was extended or maybe two years ago. And at the time, his estimation was it would cost the revenue, As again, we use the word cost, but around five or six hundred million, which in the grand scheme of COVID supports and business supports was a drop in in the ocean.
8: Yeah, look, I, I, I would still make the point it cost... There's a fundamental problem within the public service and within government that this is a cost. It's not a cost. You're taking money from it. But the thing that you've got to balance here, the hospitality sector is one of the biggest employers in the country in terms of a sector. And it employs a lot of people. It contributes a lot of money towards the the economy. But it also takes maybe in certain instances, and I've got to be careful how I say this, people who maybe not have the kind of uh, skill sets are learning to acquire skill sets. It's taking them off the door. it's taking them off social welfare. Albeit, it's it's it, it's on the lower end of things. But that was a very very significant important, I think a really really wrong decision. And if you compare our VAT rate to uh, for hospitality across the board across Europe, we're one of the highest. Well, let me just the not challenge stand up so many people. Okay, let
1: me challenge what you're both saying a little bit. Corporate tax receipts in this country have never been higher, and companies can only pay uh, corporate tax if they're making profit. Therefore, profit, collectively, all businesses uh, have never been higher. So why shouldn't that be shared, and is it one-size-fits-all?
8: Okay, well, uh, the thing where I put in there... First of all, if you actually look at the corporation tax take, take, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but they would say that something like 80% of the corporation tax take in this country, primarily the multinationals, made of maybe 10 or 11 companies. So I think you have to put that to one side's Will. And I am seeing, I am seeing, and, and, and certainly the, um, the, the the forecast that we're looking at smaller businesses. Are not making money. In fact, they won't be making profits, and they won't be paying corporation tax. And some are actually losing money. And this is why they're coming into me on on, on a January and say, "Right, how do we change our model, or do we change our model?" And a number of cases, I I, I've had to very reluctantly say, "I don't know if to continue to trade because if you're going and knowing you're going to uh, to make losses, you're in breach of the Companies Act." You're you know you're actually going to make your creditor's position worse and that's actually um, that's actually illegal. And then the last thing is we have the debt warehousing coming down the the line. I think there's about two billion owing. And like this... Can you explain that in
1: simple terms, by the way, for non-accountants listening, why that is going to be potentially a watershed?
8: Okay, well, i I've I've commented on both Ronan's show and maybe your own show that I, I I feel the way the, the the government did this was was not wise in that they dished out lots and lots of um, uh, lots and lots of grants and funny enough if you actually look at the analysis of our twenty one uh, corporation tax returns many companies actually made a lot of money because of the grants they were given. But in certain circumstances, they did not pay the not pay certain outstanding taxes. Now, I believe the government should have netted one against the other, um, and they didn't. But however, that's that's not where we're at. But at the moment, there are a number of companies that owe PAY and VAT, and it goes back to COVID time, um, really from about twenty to twenty-one, and it's actually about two billion owing. And the revenue are saying, look, at at this stage now, we've put a deadline date, first of May twenty-four we want our loot in and we, we want you to get into a phased payment arrangement and they're going to charge 3%. So it means that all of these companies that now may be struggling are going to have to pay this money back. And it's just a, it's just another... Uh, and revenue generally won't go any more than 36 months. To be fair, it's money that should have been paid and it, it, it's just another imposition. So going forward, unfortunately, it, it, coming to your first question, um, uh, Will, is that if I... See a lot of other, a lot of small businesses um, not going to survive because it's just not in there. And I'll give you a classic case. I was talking to somebody recently, and they said I went for lunch and it cost me fourteen ninety five, and our outrage would cost so much money. Now I happen to know that that particular business is not making money because mm. of all the things we've just referred to, and fourteen ninety five for a very very basic dinner. Saying, you know, I'm not going to go there anymore. So that, so they're not going to go out and eat out. Also, for many of the reasons that Ronan raised as well. Yeah, well, you know, there is a
1: point of diminishing returns. If you put up your prices too much,
8: people simply won't come in and you end up but worse But they're not off. making money. It's not as if they And there's a perception that these small cafes and these small little, little restaurants are robbing people. They're not necessarily... They're just not making money. And final thought
1: on this. How much of the challenge is sector-specific? Because we've talked a lot about hospitality... But, John, you said small businesses and there was the example in Leash S&S Sisters, and um, that's retail. So who's, apart from hospitality, feeling the greatest pressure?
8: I think retail are, are, are um, going to suffer very badly. I mean, certainly um, online has been eating away over the last number of years. I think the availability of money um, is... But certainly, yeah, retail is one is one area that's going to be hurt. And manufacturing is one that continues to do well. Um, and that would be kind of just across the board. Uh, there's no kind of uh, specific sector. Uh, be it food, be it um, it doesn't really matter what section sections are in. They seem to do well. Building, funny enough, is is continuing to do reasonably well. And I thought that might suffer. Um, what other sector is is uh, going to hurt? I think some of the services services are are hurting. In that um, there is a there's a considerable amount of of regulation, certainly in in, in the more professional sectors. And I think you 're going to see uh, over a period of time either the smaller companies go away and the bigger companies take over, but I think that 's just that 's just a switch of business more than anything more, more, more than a damage to the business but the, i I think that this, the scene is going to be is going to be different, and it 's going to be difficult for two thousand and twenty four mm. for a variety of reasons
1: John McCann, thank you very much for your time. He runs MCM accounting along with Brendan in Tullamore. And you can hear Ronan Berry on taking care of business every Tuesday evening from 7 or indeed in the listen back section of midlands103.com
0: It's time for the latest Community Diary with Tommy solicitors at loan one of the largest longest established and most respected firms of solicitors in the Midlands
1: Now if you want to check out the Community Diary at any stage midlands103.com to look over these notices such as Abishrule Vintage Club staging its annual Auto Jumble and Collectors' Fair this Sunday in Ballymahan Mart on the Edgeworthstown Road in Ballymahon. All stalls are welcome. A stall will set you back €20. Euro. If you just want to attend the Auto Jumble, that's a fiver. And for details, talk to Mary on 086 380 8503. Join the Acres Leinster Corporation Project and Barry Nolan from the Leash Barn Owl Project for an engaging talk on the conservation of barn owls and kestrels. It's happening next Thursday evening at 7 in Castletown Community Centre in Castletown, County Leith. And it's free to attend. If you're the parent of a child with additional sensory needs or if you're seeing sensory behaviours you don't understand, well, this course is for you because it's hosted by Developmental Foundations for Learning, It'll take place in Walsh, South Mullingar. And it's a workshop on Saturday, the 3rd of February, from 10 to 4. And you can check out Developmental Foundations for Learning on Facebook for more details. The Save Our Shannon organisation is holding an information evening in Luker's Bar in Shannon Bridge next Monday evening from half seven. And all farmers, businesses and residents affected by the flooding on the river from the Callows to Athlone and down to Mielek in 2023 are invited to attend. Now, if I missed anything happening in your area, pick up that phone, please. Tell us all about it. 0818 300 103 is the number to call. The
0: Community Diary, with thanks to Tormies Solicitors, experienced in the areas of law that affect people on a day-to-day basis. Midlands Today, with the stories beyond the headlines. Midlands 103.
1: (sighs) You know how a yawn is infectious? You watch somebody yawn and the next thing you know, you're yawning, even though you're not even tired. Well, researchers did a very interesting experiment around vegetables, where people observed others eating vegetables and visibly disliking them. And the effect it had was those who were observing disliked the vegetable as well. They used raw broccoli in this case. Lucy Luby runs Lucy Luby Nutrition in Mullingar. What do you make of this, Lucy? Good morning.
9: Good morning, Well, Happy New Year to you. What do I make of it? I think, um, well, I was just reading the article there really quickly and... um, it doesn't really give a lot of details as to the the participants that were chosen for this particular study. But in my experience, people don't need much to put them off vegetables.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, especially kids, but that's that's another conversation.
9: Absolutely. But in this particular study, it was just done on um, 200 women and they were age eighteen to thirty. So I'm just wondering why just 200. That would be a very small study, in my opinion. And the age range, then, why was just eighteen to thirty chosen? Um, it, it didn't explain that or give a background on that. So that's why I suppose only any study that you look at is only um, worth something if it's a representative uh, sample I mean, yeah, of the whole population.
1: Yeah. Yes. So this yeah. is yeah. quite a narrow section.
9: Very narrow. Uh, yeah. And also then it doesn't give any details as to whether these particular uh, women were, um, you know, already veg eaters. You know, so did they have a previous liking for broccoli, watched the video and then didn't like broccoli or, you know, it doesn't give you any details in, in, in that regard. So uh, I'd always question a study that is is uh, more or less a headline <laughs> rather than an actual detail study, you know. Well, I think
1: anecdotally, we would know with children, they can Mm. sometimes be very resistant to veg. And we also know they take a lead from us as adults or certainly their older siblings. So if we put on a good show, well, they'll probably eat their veg. If we're grimacing and scowling and looking displeasured, why would they go near it? There's a certain amount of logic in it as well.
9: Yeah, and I mean, this study would suggest that that isn't as important as I would have maybe uh, rated it. Um, so like in my, all I can go on really is in my experience, when I meet people um, that had parents that ate vegetables, they tend to go on and eat vegetables. Now, they, they, they might go off vegetables for a certain amount of time Um, You know, when they're kind of late teens, early adult years, because they couldn't be bothered preparing it. That's usually the main reason uh, for people stopping eating vegetables if they had a history of eating them when when they were living with their parents. Um, So this study doesn't correlate with the experience I would have had working with people on a one-to-one basis.
1: And another listener takes issue in a different way because they love spicy food Mm. and they enjoy... Sadistic person. They enjoy watching others um, taking a bite of something that's too hot, fretting about, looking for the water, and it makes them gobble their food all the more. Yeah.
9: Yeah, I think that's just like kind of a, like an ego thing, maybe. But it, it, the study actually, as well, uh, it, it was conducted where they were watching um, somebody eating on video. And I'm wondering if it was done in person would it have been more impactive mm. um, or less impactive? Because, you know, you're not getting the smell. You're not, you know, obviously you're not tasting it yourself. You're just looking at somebody else. But um, the study doesn't state then whether these women were hungry or because all of those things are going to affect your, your willingness to eat what's available. Um, so the video is an interesting one. But uh, very curious. it's just done on females aged 18 mm. to 30. You yeah. know, that cohort selected, it, it just it doesn't, it doesn't make any logic and can, I can apply to it anyway for now, you know.
1: I agree. Lots of variables in it. And you've certainly yeah, dismantled yeah. it very, very capably. <laughs> but, but on a final thought, because there are not just children, but even adults who dislike veg, whether it's the flavour, the texture, mm. whatever puts them off but you as a nutritionist will know the value of having a good portion of veg in any meal. So what would be your advice, whether it's from a recipe point of view or a persuasive technique to get more veg on the plate?
9: Yeah, well, I mean, really looking at flavour and disguising the veg in a meal is key if you really don't like vegetables. Or then you have your, you know, your soups or your stews or your 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 smoothies, that type of thing, as it comes into the summer. But like a good food a food processor, where you're chopping up, um, it's it's well worth investing in a good one. You're chopping up your, your your onions and your carrots and your celery, maybe for example, and they're almost like the texture or size of your minced meat grains, you know. So you're mixing them in together with a, a delicious sauce or flavour. So it, you're not looking at these big chunks of vegetables that can be very off button for some people. And texture is a huge thing uh, for some people that they almost like have a very sensitive gag reflux. So uh, a reflex. So it it is, it is difficult if you don't like vegetables, Um, but cooking them like every good sauce starts with vegetables So learning how to cook a good sauce and having a really nice flavor on the sauce, then, you know, your spaghetti bolognese, that sauce is veg. Mm. Mm. Um, You know, so it's really all about kind of learning a few basic recipes and including like, yes, you have to have your proteins and your carbs, your fats and your color, your vegetables. But it's the flavor that you add to that plate is the reason why you're going to eat it or you're not going to eat it. So the same ingredients could be used in Ireland or in Asia, but the flavour is going to be completely different. So learning a few different, simple little ways of, of flavouring your, your vegetables is going to get you started and it's going to want you yeah, eating more. You know, you're going to come back for more if it tastes good.
1: I'm laughing. I knew somebody was going to text this. Hunger is the best sauce of all.
9: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that
1: 100%. On that note, Lucy Luby of Lucy Luby Nutrition, thank you very much for taking our call.
9: No problem, Will. 0-
1: 083 30 10 text or WhatsApp. Will, the whole cost of living in this country has become outrageous. My son left four years ago paying 52% income tax here and has moved to a country where he pays 27%. His cost of living is similar to Ireland. His wages are higher. The quality of life is better. It is a no-brainer and I'm not surprised this year there will be thousands of young people leaving for Australia. Billy Morris says hotels might as well give rooms directly to the government because the normal person cannot afford them. I was checking for a long weekend in Ireland ended up Instead, taking four nights to Paphos, 250 euro flights and accommodation. Very hard to argue with that, isn't it? And Paul is a divorced man who has texted to say, I used to go to see my young son in Galway and I could get a room, see him the next day for 50 euro per night. Now it's 200 euro for the same room. Different listener says Riverview in Kilbegan." many tenants could not be housed elsewhere it is notorious for drugs and worse and the creche often has to clean up needles outside every morning that's how rough the area has become that's a selection of what we've received so far on text and on whatsapp next if you're living near the river shannon well there's a meeting next week that you might want to be
0: at Love the Midlands? Love Midlands today. Midlands
2: 103
1: Now the winter ahead looks rather cold at least for the next 10 days. So says Met Eireann and indeed other forecasters you can expect temperatures as low as minus 5 overnight in some parts of the Midlands next week. But 2023 wasn't noted so much for its cold temperatures but its warmer temperatures and indeed the amount of rainfall and perhaps nowhere in Ireland was this felt more acutely than along the Shannon especially in the Callows from Athlone to Meelick. and there are many people in the area not just farmers who may be very concerned at facing a similar outcome in 2024 and if you're one of them then you're invited to a meeting being organised next week. Let's find out why. Liam Broderick is PRO for the Save Our Shannon Organisation. Morning, Liam. Good morning, Will. How are you? Very well, thank you. What's the purpose of the meeting? Well, the purpose
10: uh, is to uh, provide information about what the Save Our Shannon Organisation have been doing uh, since last summer, uh, since this flood arrived last July and also to find out uh, if we have any more farmers that haven't been included in the uh, fodder scheme that the department have put in place, and also to discuss the problems that have arisen about this fodder scheme that uh, arrived there back at the beginning Mm -hmm. uh, of December.
1: And what are you expecting some of the concerns to be when farmers, uh, homeowners, landowners, people concerned gather?
10: Well... The, the, this, this father scheme uh, arrived out of, uh, as you know, Will, because you had lots of people on there. You had a great program there back in November discussing the flooding on the Shannon. You had our chairperson, Michael Silk on. And as a result of all the letters that we've written and the invitations and to come down and see the place, uh, we ended up with a meeting in September with uh, Michal Martin and a number of the TDs in the area and the uh, he then got on to Charlie McConnell, Obe, the Minister for Agriculture, to put together this fodder scheme. Now, when the fodder scheme was announced, it said it was for 230 farmers. And there are upwards of 400 farmers involved in the callows from Athlone down to Mealy. Mm. And uh, the second thing was that they came along and they said they were going to use the eye in the sky uh, to determine like what farmers uh, would be involved or what they were entitled to. And they they said they'd write out to farmers. Now, not all farmers have got a letter. And even in the one callow, which is the one behind me now here at Bannehill there, uh, the Tower Callow or the Long Meadows, it's called. I mean, there are upwards of 20 farmers out there. But some farmers have got letters and some did not. And, and, and is then, there a
1: pattern to who doesn't get a letter?
10: Well, that's the problem. That's what we're going to try and iron out. Well, one of the things that's happening is we, uh, the, there's another issue then where a number of farmers, say, got paid for two or three or four or five hectares, but they had more hectares than that and they didn't get the money for the rest. We, we we're not sure what exactly is happening. They're looking at this imagery from a satellite, Sentinel it's called, and it's looking down on the Shannon. And it, they're taking the, the six readings between the dates of the 2nd of July to the 29th of September. And at the time in July, if you look down from the sky, sure, half the, uh, half the callow would have looked green because the water was in underneath the grass and the grass was two, three feet high mm. at the time and you might have seen all the water. And it would seem also that anywhere that uh, some farmer got out, uh, grazed a little bit of his grass instead of leaving it up for hay. Uh, that that is showing the water clearly because uh, uh, most of those people have got paid. Whereas those that left the meadow up there and left it to grow and didn't get, get any meadow out of it, they seem to be the ones that are losing it.
1: Right. So there's a question as to the accuracy of the imagery. And yes. are public representatives invited to this meeting indeed? <laughs> Will you be disappointed if they don't go?
10: Well, well they're all invited anyway and uh, we would feel there, uh, those people that were left out, we've encouraged them all to ring the department. And in ringing the department, uh, you when you're talking to the officials, you get a certain amount of sympathy. And it would seem to us from the conversations that reported to us that the officials are doing what they're told to do. And that we, we feel that we need the help of the TDs and the minister to come along and put pressure on the department to come along and treat everybody fairly. and. Like, if the money is available and if farmers are affected by water, that the money should be paid out. And if if you got paid for uh, four hectares and you had eight hectares covered, that you should be paid for the other four. The fairness of the scheme needs to be dealt with. And we do need the help of the TDs to make sure this happens.
1: Well, I'm sure those points and more will be made very firmly at the meeting and it's happening next Monday evening half past seven Luker's Bar in Shannon Bridge one for the diary for anybody affected Liam Broderick thank you, thank you for thank your time thank you very
10: much my thanks pleasure thanks very much Ray. thanks for having me on Bye.
1: now still on the agenda today the Friday panel takes you through all you may have missed over the last seven days and no doubt those business closures and the pressures very much on the agenda but the lighter side of the news as well
0: love the midlands Love.
1: Returning to our coverage earlier of the Riverview Apartments in Kilbegan, where both Offaly and Westmeath County Councils swear notices have been issued to a number of tenants. We understand the number information given to us by independent TD Carl Nolan. And many of these are in receipt of housing assistance payment and the councils are saying they will liaise with The household's concerned to try and find alternative accommodation. But just to stress um, that there is no uh, tenant of the Father Peter McVerry Trust affected by this. The trust, in a statement to Midlands 103, maintains that they have long-term leases at the Riverside apartment complex which will be unaffected by any change of ownership. So, Any tenants of the Father Peter Macvery Trust, it would seem, can be relaxed about this situation. Now, to text and WhatsApp, because there have been many comments not just on that, but on other issues. Well, regarding the eviction notice in Kilbegan, I come down on the side of elected representatives being informed about all the facts before they decide to engage with the media. The general public can often be accused of spreading misinformation and disinformation. We are accused of being ill-informed and reacting emotionally unnecessarily. If our elected representatives are not aware of all the facts and appear with bias, albeit well-intentioned and well-disguised, then we are in trouble. The fault here lies with our regulations. The Father Peter McVerry Trust are organised and have their leases in place. The council, obviously not as efficient. The antisocial behaviour alluded to needs stronger legislation. Government needs to step up. The landlord has a right to sell. A point reluctantly accepted towards the end of the earlier interview. Well, on the subject of headlights, this is Pat in Cork. Morning, Pat. I, I raised this with a member of Angarda Siakana a number of years ago. Is there a regulation as to what brightness your headlights can be? I take a lot of early morning journeys and I've been in situations where the inside of the car has been completely lit up by the car behind. I've had to pull my wing mirrors, move my rear view mirrors sideways because the lights of the car behind were so strong. This isn't just a problem on country roads, it's nearly worse on the main roads because the lights are coming at you for a longer time on a straighter road. Do you have that frustration as well? And one more, regarding the cost of hotels, they are at a point of no return, Will, because if staff costs have gone up by 12%, then they have to pass that on. And if customers are saying they can take a holiday in Paphos for a fraction of the price, that's not something you can compete with. I worked in hospitality for years. Wages have always been low and that was the way the business was able to trade. Otherwise, prices go too high and customers won't pay and the business dies. That's a selection of what we've received so far this morning. And this morning is the 12th of January 2024. It was two years ago that Ashling Murphy lost her life on the Grand Canal in Tullamore. And an Irish book, a fiddle, a hurl and a schlitter are among the items brought to the altar during her memorial mass marking her second anniversary. Pupils and staff at Doro National School have gathered in Saint Cullum Kills Church in Durrow to remember the beautiful school teacher, who was killed while out for a run on that day. The gifts represent Ashling's love of the language, of traditional music, and of sport. And here's what those gathered in the church heard as the gifts were brought to the altar.
11: The beautiful picture of Miss Murphy symbolized the great person she was. Her infectious smile will always be remembered. Ashley Murphy was a natural leader, a fantastic teacher, and an outstanding colleague. We pray that Miss Murphy will continue to inspire young people to follow their dreams and that her smile will always sh- shine upon us. Ashley will always be part of the Dorough family. The candle represents the shining light Miss Murphy was, is, and always will be. We thank God for Miss Murphy's time in our school. May God's light and her light continue to shine over our whole school community. Miss Murphy is our shining light forever. The Guelga book represents the Gra Dunchanga Guelga Gashlin. Vonchi Vaci Antannabas and Guelga, Aragxi and Guelga, the di Gala. Her love for teaching, and in particular the Irish language, was fostered at a very young age and continued to blossom in her own classroom. Her pride and love for our native language had to be admired. We will continue to promote the Irish language in fun ways, just like Miss Murphy did. The fiddle symbolized the great musical talents Miss Murphy possessed. Her gifted musical performance brought much joy to others. Her passion for teaching, influencing younger people, and showcasing her natural gifts and talents all over the world will be sadly missed. Ashine Murphy has left a very strong legacy in our school with a fiddle school set up in her memory. Some of the fiddle students will perform a fabulous showpiece at Reflection to thank Miss Murphy for the inspiration she has created for the pupils. We pray that we will continue to instill the love of music into our pupils and Miss Murphy's legacy will continue to live on.
3: Laura brings the Hurlan's litter to the altar. The hurl and slither represent the sporting talents Ashling developed over the years. Her passion and commitment on and off the pitch had to be admired. Ashling took great pride in being part of a team, always gave 100% and was always a difficult player to mark on the pitch. We thank God for all of Ashling's talents and remember her sporting players and friends at this time too. Emer brings a choir folder to the altar. The choir folder signifies Miss Murphy's valuable contribution to our school choir, which she was a leader of. She had a wonderful way with the children who idolized and admired her. Miss Murphy had a voice like an angel, and we are all sure she is sting- still singing with the angels today. We are grateful to God for the cherished memories we have with Miss Murphy. Maurice brings the Book of Memories to the altar. This book was compiled by Miss Corcoran and all of the first class pupils that Miss Murphy taught. The book shares great stories and memories from the pupils' own words on what Miss Murphy really meant to them. It also captures lovely moments and memories of various lessons, games, dramas and exciting things that she had included in her daily schedule. Treasured memories will be held in this book forever. Lena and Callum bring an art display completed by Miss Murphy's class, who are currently in third class. Both the rainbow and butterflies are strong symbols which represent Miss Murphy's regular presence in our school. The colors of the rainbow reflect her colorful and beautiful personality, the lit up any room which she entered, while the butterfly represents the gentle and caring lady that she was. Mrs. Murphy's butterfly visits our school office to check in on things, but in particular, to make sure our secretary, Anne, and principal, Mr. Hogan, are working hard. Tara and Amy bring a wreath and flowers to the altar. The wreath will be placed on Miss Murphy's grave and the flowers will be placed at the memorial site at the canal. They represent the beautiful, talented and colourful young lady that Ashling was. She always had a smile on her face and had time for everyone. Her beauty will live on with many and we ask God to keep these cherished memories in our hearts and minds forever.
1: And those just some of the contributions at the anniversary mass to mark her death two years ago. On the 12th of January 2022. That's taking place at the moment in St. Column Kills Church in Durham.
0: The Friday panel on Midlands today with Comfort Keepers Home Care, helping people live safe, happy, and independent lives in the comfort of their own homes. Comfortkeepers.ie.
1: Let's meet our Friday panel. Today we have Colum Corcoran from Colum Corcoran Hearing. Good, Good morning. morning. Good morning, Will.
12: How's Christmas in the new year? Very good, very good. good. It was uh, glad to be back in a routine at the end of it. At the same time, but uh, good time anyway. Yes, yeah. yes. Our
1: kids now out of routine, very tired, very grumpy. Is that something you have to worry about, uh, Noel? Well,
13: I think that's just all year round in our house. Will you know teenagers? Yeah.
1: That's Noel O'Donoghue from Noel Interiors <laughs> in Dangan, will. who wants to talk about Gen Z in a moment, or is it Gen Z? I sound very American. They're Gen Z, and. A man who was immersed in controversy recently, Tomás Nally from Rotsford's.
5: Wait, Which controversy are you referring to now?
1: <laughs> I'm referring to the Enoch Burke mug.
5: Oh, yeah, I'm still waiting on the protest outside, so uh, we'll see what happens. Watch this space.
1: Yes, he coined a new word, and I'm not sure if it's in the Oxford Dictionary yet, e And e is a verb where you repeatedly turn up where you're not wanted.
5: Yeah. Mugs and all made. Yeah, Tom slaps it for on a mug. <laughs> and they sell out. They flew out at Christmas. So the next batch is incoming. Where's my commission? Oh, we'll see. We'll talk about it off air on that. Did
13: you not give him one? Oh, well,
5: brought...
1: well, he, yeah, he did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my commission, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, of course, you're also involved in the Westmeath Bachelor Festival, too. Tommy Troubles. Mm. Yeah.
13: Mm.
5: Sounds very exciting. Great, Crackett. So we're all guns, guns uh, blowing ahead now. It's great.
1: Well they're trying to fill a huge gap left by the FLA which won't be in Mullingar this year, it's down to Wexford so. We've a, which
13: is a, a pity long, because yeah. it's, yeah.
5: But I, I, in fairness I I think genu- genuinely the Midlands is just cut out for the FLA, it's great, like Tullamore done a great job, Mullingar done a great job it's Every, even if, every 10 years, if it was back in the Midlands, it's easier for everybody to get around.
13: Yeah, what I loved about it was that you didn't have to buy a ticket. Um, you know, you could go over whenever you felt like it. You know, there yeah. was entertainment everywhere. Oh, it was
5: huge. Know? It was massive. Yeah. And it, really, the businesses embraced it. It was, it was phenomenal for the town. Great. And people back at Christmas that were actually here during the flat, they came back to Mullingar for Christmas, you know, to do a bit of shopping. So it does have a knock-on effect. Yeah.
12: And when is it back in Mullingar?
5: But it's not, it's That's Wexford. the problem, yeah. it might be not in our lifetimes. Yeah, it's, it's it was a long time yeah. before it was there before, but I don't know, I think the Midlands towns are just better suited to it. Like, it's a long way to travel from Donegal or Belfast down to Wexford, mm. and likewise if you're going from, from Kerry up to Wexford or up to, to Belfast, it's a huge... Travel. so yeah. The Midlands has just cut out for our influence. Well, we would say that, yeah, wouldn't but, we? But well,
13: hopefully we the Bachelor Festival it. will take over. Yeah,
5: yeah, we'll see. Now, we won't be as big as the Flab, but we'll be... Getting you know, there. Watch this space. Another two or three years will be well up there.
1: Well, the Vintners in Mullingar did very well, as did the Vintners in Tullamore when it was held there. Um, Vintners are apparently not happy with how non-alcoholic drinks are treated for that and they have made the case, and uh, as they are getting backing from a Fine Gael senator, that the VAT rate on, let's say, a Heineken Zero or an alcohol-free wine should be lowered. Do you drink alcohol-free wine, Noel? No. Why not?
13: Um, well, for uh, personal reasons, I uh, would prefer... You know, the alcohol, anything with alcohol, actually, probably would be my preference. But um, so it's not price bottom line. Anyway. Um, no, like, I mean, if I'm kind of trying to cut down or, you know, lose weight or whatever, and I'm not drinking, it does frustrate you if you go into a pub and you end up spending the same amount of money. You know, at least if there's some gain out of that, if I deprive myself in one way that I gain in another way. You know, it's a psychological thing, I suppose. Um but um, no, I wouldn't really be into the non-alcoholic um, beers or whatever. I think if I wasn't drinking, I'd just rather drink mm. water. And considering I consume large quantities of it at other times, I don't think the public will going to be too upset.
1: Well, the official objective on this anyway is to try and encourage healthier behaviours. So therefore, they're assuming that price is a factor in that decision. Would it be for you, Colm? Um
12: It would be annoying to have to spend the same amount as a, as a guy who who's drinking the alcoholic version. Like, uh Sometimes if you you want to go out, it's more to socialise than to drink. So if you're going out and you know, probably you're going to feel awkward if you're going to a pub and just ask for tap water, like you you want to spend something. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, the price of a pint has gone up a lot. The price of beer has gone up a lot. And you're, you're not really drinking beer. You're not really drinking your pint if it's non-alcoholic. So it is, yeah, it's frustrating. And if, as so, well, like you're kind of providing you might be the reason somebody else is going out because you could be giving them a lift home, somebody who might not otherwise be spending their money there. So I think like it could, it could gain revenue in another way, like getting extra people in the door. So and I think it's an interesting one, yeah. And we talked to Gavin Keogh from Wines Direct this week, and he explained
1: that in the process of taking out the alcohol, they have to add chemicals. So there is an expense incurred in making the non-alcoholic variant. Hence, they have to pass that on. So while you mightn't be paying the excise duty, which applies to the alcoholic product, that's offset okay. by the more expensive production process. So, Hence, if you want to bring down the price, lowering the VAT would be one option.
5: But yeah. I think the VAT rate is the, is the key thing because we're all being told that, you know, it's a health risk for the alcoholic uh, health risk. So if the government are serious about changing the, the actual outcomes of people's health, then they have to get us onto zeros or something like that. Like, I went out there Thursday night and I had a couple of Heineken zeros watching the match because I'm on uh, dry January. But, like, a couple of years ago, if I went in and I asked the barman for a pint of my wadi, I probably would have felt a bit awkward. I probably would have went... Know, what's the barman thinking or the other lads at the bar thinking Yeah. You probably say
1: you're cheap why don't you buy a coke exactly yeah
5: <laughs> do, do you know but it, it gives you an option a non-alcoholic option like you feel like you're drinking you're having to crack you're socialising you're watching the match you don't feel out of place Um. but as Noel said you know coming along and, and uh, the same price is a bit much
1: but you know. if you're the guy who drinks the coca cola the Fanta whatever and you're paying the full vat, the chap next to you or the girl next to you is getting the vat reduction on the non-alcoholic wine, beer. Is but that even, fair?
5: Even like your, your Heineken or your, your Guinness Zero is still up around the price of a normal drink. It's still dearer than your, your mineral is going to be. And we all know the price of minerals in pubs are extremely high, so there's mm. room for the pubs to come down on that as well. Well, I think if I was we,
13: sitting up drinking a pint of real alcohol I'd be very happy and I wouldn't care less what yours cost. <laughs> Especially
5: well,
12: John, you're getting a free lift home. Yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> Colm. Yeah. Yeah, no, John Clendenon from the Vintners Federation insists the costs associated with the lighting, the staffing, the experience of being in the bar justifies what you pay for the mineral. The premium that you pay in the pub as opposed to in the supermarket. Believe him or believe him not as as you choose.
13: Well, I'll still go to the gill traps anyway.
1: Fair enough. Noelle O'Donoghue is here from Noelle Interiors in Dangan, Tomás Nally from Rochford's Superstore in Mullingar and Colm Corcoran of Corcoran Hearing. We also learned this week how uh, children and adults should take vitamin D supplements up to St. Patrick's Day according to a new study by the Department of Health. And that's partly because, well, in this country, we are at a higher latitude and therefore the hours of daylight are lower than they would be if you're in the Canaries, for instance. Lovely to be in the Canaries on a day like this. Um, and you won't get enough vitamin D through diet alone. Is this something you're conscious of, Colin? Would you
12: take supplements? Uh, no, I don't. But uh, I guess if we're being advised to take them, it's something we might have to reconsider. But... I think it's a very, uh, it's a very vague thing to say. Just take more. I was reading through the thing before I came in and was saying that uh, taking an excess amount could could have negative impacts on people too. So I think ideally, maybe better advice around diet. To even if you can't get it all, that you could maybe maximise what you could get might be might be a place to start. But um, I don't know if it's if it's beneficial. I yeah might reconsider my mm. my thinking on it. But uh, Liam you know, Butler, the pharmacist
1: in Burr, has advised us that. Some people take a whole basket of different supplements and that's not necessarily a good thing either, that you need to have, as you've indicated, certain amounts up to a limit and not above that. Um, And that actually you should get advice about which supplement to take based on any dietary deficiencies you have and not just assume the one tablet will do it all are you mindful of supplements or are you yeah
5: I take. I do take a lot of supplements but I, I, be, I wouldn't say that it's kind of one shoe fits all everybody's different and everybody's absorption and diet and lifestyle is different so I think you're right in advising to to maybe get some kind of a, a consultation about it but the other side of it is they're they're saying vitamin D now is is good for us. Another longitudinal study will come out in six months and say mm. it's bad for us or it causes cancer <laughs> or something. So I take all these things with a with a pinch of salt to be honest and it's all very much what you feel. There's if you start kinda of telling everybody you should be doing this, that and the other, you'll get the usual response and nobody'll do anything.
1: And I remember Safe Food did something a few years ago that backfired on them. Do you recall the measuring tapes? And they had a print on it saying, if you are above this, then you are overweight or obese or whatever the term was. And you would wrap it around yourself. And I would be obese, but I'm six foot tall and, uh, you know. You're
13: not obese.
1: But, but by that measurement, by that one size fits all, I was. And uh, lots of people wore based on their build. Yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah, to yeah, their, their fat yeah, content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Not
5: their yeah. BMI as such. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can see BMI is nearly a thing in the past now. Hospitals are mm-hmm. not using it. It's, it's been known to be defunct for a while because it doesn't take into effect uh, your whole body mass. It's just an indicator of your, your girth more than anything. Well, it's
13: that's great news for me. <laughs> <laughs> so don't be worrying about the BMI
5: anymore. Yeah,
13: uh,
1: yeah but the damaging fat is the fat that accumulates between your organs. Mm. Um, and okay, what is around your waist can be an indicator of that, but it's not the only indicator of it. So anyway, we're establishing that our particular panel this morning is a rather cynical one. <laughs> <laughs> More conversation after these.
0: The Friday panel on Midlands Today with Comfort Keepers. Uplifting home care throughout the Midlands and nationwide. Comfortkeepers.ie Comfort Keepers.ie
1: The same people who cry about the VAT rate, well, that same crying went on in Austria about a year and a half ago, and the industry does just fine there. I wonder if the costs of energy, for instance, or the costs of labour are comparable in Austria. They may well be, Hilda, and you're better informed on that than I am, but generally the cost of energy in Ireland is among the highest in Europe. Massive, absolutely
5: hmm. massive. We're getting (laughs)
13: <laughs> and all the windmills don't. going up, you think that it would be going the other way?
1: I have friends in the Channel Islands. They get their electricity from France. It's nuclear. They've had no energy cost crisis. They've been completely insulated from it. Well, they, are,
13: they are building a connector, aren't they, to France?
1: Interconnector. We're yeah. happy to import nuclear energy but not have it on our yeah. doorstep. Very Irish. Well, solution, but given an island
5: yeah. nation, like we need to be thinking not just four years ahead for the next general election, we need to be thinking 10 years ahead. Like as an island, we're the only island in Europe that has the potential to have windmills all around us Comple- like we've enough sea area to, to generate power for us and England if we'd only get up and put a proper plan together. And I don't believe in windmills on the land itself because they are an eyesore and they do cause an awful lot well, of community problems. Well, I live beside
13: problems. 28 of them and they don't bother me at all. In fact, they're talking point every morning. The wind is coming from the northeast. It's going to be a cold day. Makes no difference to us.
1: Yeah. Was well, that the case in the beginning?
13: Yeah, but you see, it was one of the first, so we didn't really know what we were mm-hmm. heading into, you know. Um, so it
1: wasn't necessarily a case that you got used to them. You just liked them or were indifferent from day one.
13: Uh, indifferent from day mm. one. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they could have built worse things. Um, they went on about Flickr. And we did wonder about that. All right. And um, and then, you know, after they went up, I remember one day I thought that the electricity was, um, you know, flickering on and on. You know, the way it does that mm. sometimes when it's going to go off. And I was like, oh, I got no notification. I was given out. And then I realized, no, this is the flicker." And, um, and I was like, no, that's what they we're talking about. Yeah. But you see, the thing is, the sun moves, you know, like it doesn't stay there all day. It, like within five minutes, it was gone. You know, so it never it has never bothered me. And I mean,
1: you'd be less than a kilometre away from the nearest turbine, yeah. would you? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well,
5: um, there And is we can see a, them all. I suppose there's a yeah. awful lot of communities that are open. Now, it doesn't affect me. I live in the middle of the town. Yeah, she has we, a mansion on a hill. Right, <laughs> <laughs> looking down on us all. <laughs> I'm a house on a hill. Well, do you know, you you see what it has done to communities, sent people against each other, and like the technology is there to have it in the sea. We could be powering so much if we had a proper investment into offshore wind farms.
13: But I think mm. it's getting the power line. Do you know the main power line to the? Yeah, sorry, the the connector.
12: If you develop power at sea, the connecting it to the grid there's only like one or two points on the island of Ireland where you can actually do that so yeah. you could be generating all this energy and what do you do with you that? have to get like, it to yeah, shore yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: and the other challenge is upgrading the ports particularly along the west coast to facilitate the, the construction mm.
13: yeah it's Cheaper and easier and quicker for them to build them in the Midlands where there's easy connection because Borden and Mona was already there. Yeah. Um, we're so way behind that I think you know we need but to the do the Scandinavian that
5: countries have them in every fjord going yeah. and like there it's not we t- tend to kind of start from scratch instead of going to maybe Norway or Sweden and seeing right what did you do? Give us the blueprint, get it done, and not spend five years doing a a survey about what we're going to do instead of actually doing it. Well, they are building a lot now. I didn't need to get the finger out. Yeah, I know. We're way behind. <laughs> they're way behind. And I think if
13: we were to actually say, right, we're going to only build them um, offshore, well, that'll even put us further behind. So let's maybe maybe do a bit of catching up for us.
5: Do you not think that with the money that they're actually making, the electricity companies themselves, an awful lot of that should be, by right, channelled into future investment into offshore? Like the, the profits they're making are way above any European average in Ireland. Like they're absolutely stinging us right, left and centre. I've been in. We, we have a business in town and commercial um, business rates are just phenomenally high. It's it's criminal what's going on.
1: The policy at the moment is to create a basket of different renewables. So onshore, offshore wind, solar, solar. anaerobic digestion, but and aerobic even, digestion can come up against local resistance too if people believe there's going to be a bad smell. smell in their area.
5: But there is a, a, a policy of the, your price rate. So if you're getting your, your uh, across Europe, if you're getting it for, from your electricity from wind, um, if the rate for oil or burning oil to create that is actually higher, you'll be charged at the oil rate, whether you're creating it from wind or not. So, they have a price bench to. It's it yeah, bench to gas. It's bench mm. yeah, your to gas, mm. whatever mm. The, the, the rate. But that's way above what the, the wind rate is. So, they're, they're creating wind farms, but they're charging you gas rates. So, how does that make sense? Well, it yeah.
12: depends on the wind, though. So, that's. But that'd be their still, argument. And, and like, that's why there are battery
1: storage facilities now being built. So, when the wind is strong, when the sun is shining, and there's excess on the grid, it'll be stored in huge battery facilities. Shannon Bridge will be one of them. And then when the wind slackens or the sun goes down, those batteries will release to the grid. That yep. stored up energy. Yep. But we don't have nearly enough batteries. Oh, and, and then there's the argument about <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. batteries and lithium ion, for instance, How or cobalt being taken. And yeah. Yeah. So it's very hard to know the lesser of all evils. But just when you mentioned gas, moss. I'm going to show uh, the panel a graph of gas prices over the last five years. So natural gas, February 2024.
13: It's a mountain. We're looking at a mountain.
1: Well, you're looking at a mountain two years ago. That mountain, we're now on the other side. And gas prices, they're only up 13% in the last five years. And in the last year, they're down 32%. Is your electricity down thirty-two percent?
13: I know, but that'll follow through. Hopefully, it's next very year slowly. Year. I know, <laughs> it's, but you know, it does. Ours yeah. is,
5: is still like I—I I find it criminal to see that and and still be charged the like you wouldn't get I away know, but with they're that.
13: They're buying in advance, like they're they're paying. But, but know, it's a—it's well,
5: It is, but like at the same time, they're very slow to come back. Like it's 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 not that big of a. a, a Deal, to come back on your prices they can, the technology is there it's very easy to go up and they'd have a, a price increase done in two weeks but they can't come back
1: According to the likes of switcher.ie bonkers.ie, it's because the energy companies buy futures so they agree it's very like a fixed price over a length of time and even if the variable rate goes up or down they're committed until that contract expires and it's only when they renew that they can do so at the lower price. Whether you buy that or not is up to you, but that's the argument put forward.
13: At least it's on the downway, and it has. Yeah, to it's down going way, well. Yeah.
5: So hopefully it'll keep going.
1: Another <coughs> issue or concern sometimes with wind turbines is infrasound. Now, Noel, you mentioned the shadow flicker. Colm, you're an audiologist. I am. Infrasound? is
12: It's a, it's a new one on me. Yeah. In, infrasound. Uh, are they mean like that you hear hear more like low pitch noise from them, or I think so.
1: And sometimes it's almost imperceptible, and some people uh, are blissfully unaffected. It's I, a bit I, like having you know the ultrasonic yeah. pest repeller plugged in. Yeah. Some people
12: insist they hear it; others can't. Perhaps that is the case. People who uh, complain about their hearing are usually people who have a hearing loss. So I guess they're they're certainly not going to hear it. So um. Yeah, it's uh it's a, it's a new one to me. I I don't doubt that some people might hear it, but as as an overall problem, it's um I'd be skeptical. Well,
13: speaking from experience, um yeah. on a really really windy day, you won't hear them because it's so windy. Yeah. Um and on a really calm day, they're not really turning, so you don't hear them. So there's actually an optimum kind of wind speed where it's, it is audible outside. You know, yeah. you will hear it. But when you go inside and double glazing, you don't hear anything. And in our house, you definitely don't hear it. Um, well, it doesn't it bother me.
1: Especially in the mansion. OK. <laughs> Noel O'Donoghue is here from Noel Interiors in Dangan. Colm Corcoran of Corcoran Hearing and... Tom olsen from the Westmeath Bachelor Festival.
0: Midlands Today's Friday Panel. Thanks to Comfort Keepers Home Care. A caring voice and a daily dose of joy. Comfortkeepers.ie
1: Now, one of the more scary stories this week for anybody on board. This day last week, a Boeing 737-9 took off, operated by Alaskan Airlines, and in the course of the flight a panel on the fuselage in the cabin flew off and this panel was concealing an emergency exit unused and now there's a massive investigation and of course the 737 MAX has previously been grounded over concerns about the computer system. Apparently Boeing rectified that. But there are many who may think twice about getting on board and Ryanair boss Michael O'Leary has told Boeing to improve its
12: quality control. Column are you a nervous flyer? I don't fly that much, but uh, when I do, I, I wouldn't be a nervous flyer at all, no. And uh, I think like there's you have to look at Boeing, but you also have to look at maybe the people who are in charge of maintenance and that kind of thing too. So I think uh, really it's just Boeing and Airbus. And I saw there's uh, in the article there as well there's concerns over safety checks on some of the Airbus engine components as well that have grounded a good few companies' mm. flights as well. So. Don't think you can say that one is definitely safer than the other, and I know I'm not sure if people booking with a company will be before this. Anyone would have been wondering: Am I going on Boeing or am I going on Airbus? Am I going to my destination or not? I think was there. Will my baggage get there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Will it be on time and all that kind of thing? So, um, and cost ultimately. And cost, and um, be interesting to see though if we'll say Ryanair, who are primarily bo, where all Boeing, if the if it it, if, Mm. if it affects their booking. If people are genuinely concerned, I guess bookings will be cancelled and be interesting to see if that happens over the next few weeks or months. But um And yeah, the premium an
1: on Lingus isn't what it used to be. In fact, some cases Lingus can be the cheaper carrier now. Yeah. Are Lingus Boeing or Airbus? Airbus. Okay. Usually Airbus three twenty Neos. So yeah. they're kind of the opposite of the competitor. Okay. So he just the, doesn't do the cars. Pepsi to the cola. Mm.
5: Well I didn't know anything about Airbus having an engine component so that's me finished flying now if I'm <laughs> taking the ferry from now on Are you a nervous flyer? I wouldn't be great now to be honest with you I'd, I've woken up a couple of times on a plane and thought I'm in a steel tube and if some lad didn't screw the wheels on right I could be in trouble I, I wouldn't be hectic now I've got news for you, by Genesis the way, it's a lot thinner than that. steel. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. But when you see what happened, like if there was anyone in that seat and they didn't have a seatbelt or anything, you know, they were more than likely sucked out the plane. Like the 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 pilot and crew done a phenomenal job to get it back down. But it's one of those things that you see online. You think there's another fear unlocked. <laughs> so wonder, though, you
12: imagine, though, if it was proven to be a genuine concern across that, they would have had to have ground... Boeing uh, mm. flights across the place or across North America anyway but uh, And there are
1: other airlines who have discovered loose bolts and maybe there is going to be uh, further investigation but one one point to remember is flying is the safest yeah, form of travel it is, yeah. yeah and we get
13: into cars every day and we don't think anything mm. of it I wouldn't be the comfortable about flying I certainly wouldn't be drinking Guinness Zero beforehand um, but as bad as I am, my sister-in-law is far worse. And I remember we were coming home from somewhere and she had warned us, you know, you know, we know how bad she is And when we got to the airport. And she looked out, you know, when we were heading out to the plane, I didn't know we were going home in a hairdryer, she said. <laughs> <laughs> Small Aer you know, it was a, um, a um, you know, a little two-seater thing, like, you know.
1: Do not take private yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Somewhere. Similar to that, there was, a, there was an outlet in Ballinacarrigy. Somebody asked him, who do you fly with? And he said, oh, always was there, He said, I'd never go with Ryanair. I was up there one day and they were towing the oak round for a half an hour and not a gig out of it. They were, they were only bringing it out the taxi <laughs> on the runways." <laughs> ah, bless him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> OK, so we've established anyway that uh, Tomás is a nervous flyer and will be taking the ferry from now on. Gen Z. Now, in case you're wondering who is Gen Z, so if you were born from, I think it's 1997 onwards, then you are Gen Z. If you're before that, you are a millennial, uh, back to, I think it's 1982. Then it's Generation X. And at some point, the boomers kick in. I think people were born sometime in the the 60s. 60s. Are you a boomer?
13: Uh, yes well most definitely without uh, a shadow of a doubt
1: <laughs> and the two gentlemen here are probably
12: generation I mean x
5: I'm just in the millennial
12: same here i'm i'm just in the millennial <laughs> yeah. as well yeah really you spoiled privileged <laughs> people <laughs> <laughs>
5: i remember when at the the turn of the millennium um being in the final fence and everybody was hoping that all the computers had shut down, that all revert to zero. Oh, that, yeah. Do remember it was the big, yeah. the big thing that the computers of the whole world was going to White shut down? Yeah, your microwave would blow yeah. up. The yeah. airlines
1: <laughs> would fall out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, the millennium bug. Yeah. Well, Jodie Foster, the actress who has now turned, by the way, to directing and producing and therefore is a manager of people she finds that Gen Z or Gen Z colleagues are really annoying, especially in the workplace. She told The Guardian, and by the way, she's 61 herself, they're like, nah, I'm not feeling it today. I'm going to come in at half ten. Or in an email, which she will point out is grammatically incorrect, and ask if they didn't check their spelling, they'll say, well, why would I do that? Isn't that kind of limiting? Thomas, you you're an employer of, uh, many ages, but I've often seen predominantly younger people certainly yeah, I, to the front of the shop.
5: Yeah, I, I to be honest with you, I find them great, and I think every every generation kind of the generation before kind of thinks, oh, these are annoying, and you know. But I have to say, from from my experience, um, like I have a niece who would be Gen Z now, and like she would be very Gen Z, which is great crack, and I kind of let it.
1: What What don- do you mean, very Gen
5: Z? I, be very, I suppose, I have to tread carefully here now. Would be very kind of uh, popularist I, I, I would, I would call it like. There's an awful lot of that generation. I feel that kind of they they go for what's a popular vote and a popular opinion rather than maybe really. But that's
13: because they don't listen to the news and all they get is the feed on the. Yeah, phone so I agree with you. And yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, if you were being fed that. Yeah, crap all
5: the time you need you to kind it? of step back and, and look at the bigger picture and and that's the downside of the Gen Z I mean, well, but the actually, other side of- hang
1: on a minute I need to stand up for the Gen Z for the sake of balance the research shows Gen Z are more activist so think Greta Thunberg she will actually go and try to do something whereas it's millennials like you who are more inclined to go on Twitter. Well,
5: would you follow Greta Thunberg into war? Because I certainly wouldn't. And and like, I think an awful lot of that being prolific on on Facebook and Twitter and social media. There's not a whole lot of wisdom behind it. It's very a popular thing and very kind of get your face out there. But um Sometimes. Unlike the
1: Midlands 103 Friday panel, which, you know, is awash with Awashwood wisdom, wisdom. Mm-hmm. yeah, and experience.
5: Yeah. <laughs> but what
13: about like sort of just the ordinary thing about sending a message to somebody that has no capital letters, no full stops, no commas. And like you read the message and it's ambiguous in, you know, you can read it one way and it means one thing. You read it another way, it means another thing. So you're actually wondering... Message are they sending to me, or I can't read this? I can't read. It. I don't understand it. Like, I'm sorry. Now I know I sound, but that's the message that I would get from my son on a regular basis. You know where I'm like, what is he talking about? So it's not a case of being annoyed with the generation and their. Uh, I want them to do everything correct and the same as me. I just want to be able to read the bloody
12: thing. Okay, Jodie Foster. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, your take. Uh, my take. Yeah, I, I kind of. I can see both sides of it. Like uh, the thing of um, turning up at whatever time you feel like or inventing your own grammar is is not something I'd I'd be behind at all. But I have to say I don't employ any now. But I, in my previous job, I did work with. Uh, somebody who would just about fit into that category. And um, she was one of the best work colleagues I, I, I ever had. And that's my only experience of, let's we'll say if you're talking about working with them, that I would have. So I would know, uh, I can see both sides of it, but I think it's it's easier for the older people to bash the younger people as well, like to say, look, look at me now and look at the state of you kind of a thing and we were um, all bash growing up too we were yeah it is a generation and look at us now yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> bash to death you will like this by the way Colm has Corcoran hearing got a cure for selective hearing
2: <laughs> uh,
1: come and see me and we can talk about it yeah so that was if one, a wife in reference to her husband mm. yeah. no, there's no known cure <laughs> <laughs> but you'll try yeah. do what you can rule out the obvious Column from Corcoran Hearing, Thomas Nally from Rochford Superstore, and Noel O'Donoghue from Noel Interiors, the fabulously decorated mansion on the hill in Dangan. Now, are you happy? I'm happy. Good, yes. good, good. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> and the programme was put together painstakingly by Shannon Fogarty, who will be doing it all over again Monday morning from nine.
0: Midlands today with Bus Erin. Use your TFI Young Adult or Student Leap Card onboard Bus Éireann services as part of the Transport for Ireland network. Visit buserin.ie today.